I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Literally Gaysian. Literally Gaysian. Welcome to Literally Gaysians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, a.k.a. Gaysians. Gaysians? Caucasians get real about their feelings and literally Gaijin stuff. I'm your host, Bao Nguyen. And I'm your co-host, Chris Yang. And we have a very special guest today, our first. But before we get to him, it's time to be real. So this is the part of every episode where Chris and I talk about whatever's going on in our lives in the realest way. And let's start with you, Chris. What's going on in your life right now? I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm enjoying like the day and the week. I have been having these little realizations about my relatively recently diagnosed ADHD. And so I'm getting better at understanding that um, not a failure and that those moments mm. that I don't want to do something, uh, it's just uh, something that will pass or that I can, you know, just think about, oh, it's because of that. And I'll start doing that. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, when you stayed over so we could plan for this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I cleaned up my place and, and now it's staying clean. And I feel really good about that. And now at the end of the day, after work, I'm not freaking out about how messy my place is. And it's kind of giving me a lot of excitement. So 
I'm really happy about that. Well, I'm happy for you. And I think this is pretty recent for you. How, how long ago were you diagnosed with ADHD? Uh, I was diagnosed last year, but I was kind of in denial. And mm-hmm. I kind of think of it as what was it, steps of, uh, of grief or of uh, like I went through denial and I'm like close to the acceptance part of it. And I'm... I, I'm trying to learn how to deal with it, and and I'm just kind of okay with it. I'm in you know to a way that I see it as a superpower. I I see things that other people don't see, and so I'm happy about that. So what do you? What are the things that you uh, you see that other people don't see? I can see everything going wrong, and I love planning for it. I love doing that. Mm. We go on a trip, and somebody just like books a hotel. I'll be looking for oh well, where's the hotel? That's a that's a forty minute walk from the gate area, or uh, that's um, too close to um, this place that we don't want to be near. I, I look at all of these little things, and or it's too far from the airport. I don't want to wake up because I have to spend early for the flight because we'll have to spend fifty extra dollars for the Uber. So these are all the little things I like like to like hone in on. And although people used to call me as like. Um, just kind of uh, having too much anxiety over it. I think it works out in the long run for both me and everyone else. It's no longer a hindrance. So you mentioned the word failure. Did you used to feel that way about it? I did. Like, and not about it because I didn't even know I had it. Mm. But sometimes I would start a project. You know, even in drag, I've started so many dresses that I've never finished. That's apparently a common symptom. And so now I just look at it as more projects to continue. It's a it's a new perspective. What about you? It's time for you to be real. I am wondering mostly what's next for me. And you know this, Chris, but this year was pretty hard for me personally and at work, and it culminated into some mental health issues that I actually left work to work on um, a couple of months ago, got back into therapy. Um, the main crux of it is anxiety and panic attacks. And so I really do think so I left work in September and I do think that the last few months have just been on like, let's get into a healthy routine and go to therapy and really work on getting used to this anxiety in my life. And I think it's gotten just a lot better me getting used to it being there um, versus being super freaked out about it. Cause I, I didn't really have this type of anxiety before where you really just like felt it in your brain and you didn't know how to stop it. And you were there actually like that moment mm-hmm. I got my second or third where I just feel like, I am not, my brain is never going to come back from this and just freak out about it. And now when it's here, I'm like, oh, you're here. All right. And I know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes to an hour. And I've spent the last few months doing that. And I feel like I'm in a much better place now. Um, and not with us all this free time now where I'm not just like freaked out about the anxiety. I'm just kind of thinking about like, well, what's next in my career? Like, what do I want to do for work? And some days I wake up thinking maybe I'll go back to this job that I had that was super stressful, which was like uh, a PR, a company PR person, which uh, sometimes could be exciting because there's always just like bad headlines or something that you're trying to just prevent from happening. And so like being in the moment is can be pretty fun, but it can also be really stressful. It can drive a lot of anxiety. And I wonder long-term, is that going to be the right job for me? And before I left my prior job, I was going to get like a pretty high level 
role. Um, and I think something in me also stopped and that, that drove anxiety. Like, do I really want to do this? Cause when I get into that role, that's like for real now. And so I decided actually just to walk away from that. So I wonder if I want to continue that just because I've invested 15 years in my life and my whole network in that or do a complete like U-turn. I mean, maybe it's time to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I'm wondering. And so like I, <laughs> one thing that just came up this week was well, I, I, it has it had been like an inkling for a couple of months of like well do I want to go maybe back to grads back back to school and grad school for for something um, and for and then there's like new feelings of imposter syndrome like who do I think I am thinking I'm gonna go get my master's program a master's in like this thing which is like a master's in social work or in psychology and I, I feel like I just have like this huge imposter syndrome about it because there's so much unknown and just kind of been spending the week really trying to research how much that's going to cost, how my life would change. And if this is really something I want to do. And so I'm just going to give myself a little bit of time to sit with it. I'm not in in any rush. Um, But that's, that's sort of a new thing that's exciting, but also like anxiety ridden at the same time. I mean, you're so good at PR. Like you even, even though you haven't been in it recently, I could tell you still have your PR hat on. You keep saying that company. You you know how to like keep that PR vibe and say everything nicely. I, I signed an NDA, so <laughs> I can't say bad things about the company. I did sign an NDA, but I'm not going to. That's not kind of where my heart is. It's more like more about me, less about the company, and more about like the type of job that is. And if I stayed in it for ten more years, it's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get harder. I mean, it sounds like we kind of both are like on the same wavelength with um, like how you're saying earlier with your anxiety and accepting it. Like we're both like, know it's going to be there and know how to like deal with it. It's like we're, we're on the same cycle. Yes, we definitely are. But what we really wanted to do is talk to our guest. We have a new guest, someone special and repulsive to me. Um, my my drag daughter christy yamikuchi that's me hello (laughs) hi christy hello christy hello it is a delight to be here thank you for having me on this joyous day hello (laughs) (laughs) we're happy to have you and since you just sat there listening to us really get into it, um, we're going to ask you to be real, too. So how are you feeling today? <laughs> I know. Like, what, what deep, dark secrets do I have to share? Um, it doesn't have to be you, deep, dark secret. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you both were talking, I was like, oh, man, okay, we're going at that level. Because initially, I was like, oh, well, I feel kind of sick. I'm a little raspy. I'm not I'm a little under the weather. <laughs> no, no, no. None of the physical stuff, deep, unless that's deeper. part of it. <clears throat> Dig you want deeper. the meta- yeah. metaphysical, existential. The metaphysical. <laughs> uh, I think my body is probably recovering from uh, a party I went to. Was that last week? Last week? Two weeks ago? Last mm-hmm. week? Um, and then later on that weekend. And so I'm in good spirits. I'm alive. I am a little raspy, a little under the weather. Um, but I have a lot. it's going to be a busy weekend, actually, for me. I'm going to be recording some content some oh. video content yeah mm. yeah so uh, i think that's gonna uh, be accountant, exciting accountant content accountant co- <laughs> just me whispering numbers like very asmr into, <laughs> into a microphone no um just like some drag stuff so mm. hopefully I I, can... 
get that done. I read between the lines as OnlyFans, but okay, yeah, sure, Jack. <laughs> yes, and it could be both. It, it, could, it could, you know. There's been a lot of people who have asked, you know, but it's For only you to like, not do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the people who like want me to record the OnlyFans stuff with them, it, they ask mm-hmm. me when I'm in like the horror stuff. I've had maybe like three or four people be like, like when I'm like dressed like a zombie or like a horror pig or like something. They're like, <laughs> wow, you're so beautiful. Like, do you want to like be in my video or like something? And then I don't, I don't know what it is, but the guys love it. You know, they love mm. the pig face. They're just looking for pig. something to get their viewership up. Yeah. <laughs> the shock value. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We wanted to kick things off by. Talking about me. How'd you meet me? How do we know each other? Um, Let's see. I believe we met at USF. And so when I was doing my undergrad, I was like president of the Queer Alliance. You know, we were having our like end of year celebration thing or whatever. And I needed to like, I wonder why I wanted to find um, some drag performers. And I had met one of our now other drag sisters, Lychee, Lychee Manelli, Lychee Deja Vu. Manelli. Um, and so I had met her at like a mixer at the local like community health center. Um, I remembered that she looked like a whore and I was like, this is exactly the vibe I'm going for at my Catholic school. And so, <laughs> and so I like reached out to her and she was like, Oh yeah, like we can do it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we were talking and then she was like, Oh, okay. Well, I think w- we can come as like, Catholic, I think she suggested it. They could come as like nuns. And I was like, yes, you have to come as nuns. And so they came as nuns. They did um, the one night, a classic, very classic drag number, you know, the slow one night only into like the fast disco one night only with like, you know, a nun reveal. It was great. Everyone loved it. Um, The fathers on campus, there were a few of them there. They also loved it. They spoke very highly of it. (laughs) um and that's where i met uh you don't you that's where i met you you and the Mm. rest of them there i think it was lychee i don't think you didn't perform that night there though i remember you were just kind of like walking in the hallway like creeping on like the students yeah i was just the um uh what do they call it in porn the fluffer (laughs) yeah the wig fluffer Watching as we had our twerk contest. I think the twerk, like we had every like event, like the big events we had, we would have like a twerk contest. And like people like didn't really like expect, I think you you were all very surprised, but like we had some people who were like very, very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very yeah. good. That little, little twink who like jumped up to the splits and was like twerking on the floor. <laughs> yes. Any sh- drag, of, any drag <laughs> event, that's, that's always the twink. Yeah, sometimes, twink, yeah. it, sometimes the twink is not even of age and their mom is in the audience. Yeah, yeah. This was a long time ago. This was like the early 2010s. You know, everything was, was before so Drag Race new. was big. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even watch wow. Drag Race at that point. Like, I didn't even, I think, I don't even know if I knew about it. It was like before, was it like season two or season three or something? Before it got like really big. So then I adopted you, and you did your first, first um, drag performances, forced adoption. Forced <laughs> this is this is what happens when you, you don't allow abortion. You get this mess. <laughs> and in like just a in a couple of words or a sentence or two, describe me as a drag mother. Oh yes, yes, yes. I think in some kind of like I don't know if this is like 
weirdly fitting or like kind of like horrifying or like how I don't know how to categorize this exactly. But I think similar to my own biological mother and kind of like, you know, this stereotypical like Asian tiger mom trope in that, you know, you'll you'll never be good enough. I mean, you you heard the ADD spiel <laughs> earlier, right? With the criticizing. I was I was thinking mm-hmm. of jumping. I was like, should I jump in here? But it's just like never going to be good enough. There's always something wrong. <laughs> never tells you she loves you. <laughs> oh, I, I think my my favorite kind of epitome of that was <clears throat> when we we were at some party or something, and this was like we were like closing it out. It was like four a.m. and you come up to me and you're like you don't make my life worse. <laughs> I was like, I knew in that moment, I was like, this is the way she's telling me that she cares. I had to, I had to culturally translate it. <laughs> it's the only words I could muster up yeah. in my K-hole at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, before uh, Doncha Chris uh, adopted you as his drag daughter, you know, what happened between the Rice Rockets coming to USF and being adopted into the rice roquettes like what what about drag drag drew you to it i think it was kind of like a trap i didn't really like know what i was getting into honestly in the beginning like i literally had no idea the first time that i like met it with them and got in drag that i was going to get in drag i didn't (laughs) fully comprehend that yeah yeah um and so i think you you were there that night i think actually bow so the first night or this was after we had kind of the little uh, closing party at USF and how, after you had all performed there and stuff like that. And then I think it was like Lychee or something was like reaching out and we were like talking a little bit more. And she was like, oh, you know, we're going to do a um, a little takeover of this bar. And so <clears throat> at that point, like the Rice Rockettes, we didn't have a show, right? Um, and so there was just like, you know, a little takeover and Lychee was like, okay, well we're going to, we're going to beat your face. So that's what she told me. And like, I, I like literally just, I didn't know what that meant. And so we're gonna I, haze you. yeah, I thought, I thought it was like, you know, I'm going to be in like, like someone's drag number. And like, they're like, you know, the part of the storyline is I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be the beaten child <laughs> in the storyline that also came to pass, but <laughs> in addition, yes. And, and in addition, I found out that it meant, uh, <laughs> you were going to put me in face. And so that was my first night that I was in face with the rice rockets. Yeah, I think you were there too. You were both there. Don't mm-hmm. you was there? Oh, I, cause I, re- Oh my God. I remember because you did that Mariah Carey, um, was it beautiful beautiful yeah we were together doing this bow yeah yeah and you had um don't you had like all it's like plastic surgery markings and all of these things like all over your face and i was like is this who they want to be my drag my drag mother like who's this like weird what is going on with her (laughs) out of all out of all the fucking bitches i gotta get this one Uh, Bow, that would make you her drag father. Yeah. <laughs> estranged. Yeah. Many times estranged, estranged removed. Abusive, yeah. Silent. Um, and so that first time, right, was kind of like a surprise. And I think, you know, the, the idea of getting into drag wasn't necessarily something that was, I was like, was super appealing to me, right? Not like, it wasn't necessarily negative, but it wasn't like a drawing factor. 
right? And so the the rice rockets, right? Like an Asian, we're an Asian and Pacific Islander drag troupe. We're based in San Francisco. We're around the Bay Area. Been around like what 13, 14 years or something like oh. that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we do like a lot of community work and a lot of different like community events and fundraisers uh, and different things like that. And that's actually kind of what drew me to the group. Um, that and I think, you know, I thought it would, it would be fun to like, you know, try and be a performer and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, look, be fierce or, you know, whatever. And I think that and that kind of like stuck. And I think I'm still there today, unfortunately. Yeah, and now look at you. You make uh, you make music videos. You do political videos. <laughs> you've got commercials. You are a star, you yes. know, taking after yes. your mother. And, you know, <laughs> we have so much in common uh, between, in our family. We have mediocre makeup skills. Yeah. <laughs> We've never washed our wigs. No. And we both have ADHD. You know, I did. There's the, the purple wig. I've washed that three times, but no one believes me. Well, because we can smell yeah, it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it still looks ratty. Every time I wash it, I'm like, mm, is it supposed to look like that? <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, I think it's hilarious that you guys have been together for 13 years because I've been around for so many of it. And I just realized that you had this huge 10th anniversary show. And so, like, yes. I'm just curious, in the 13, in the 13 years that the Rice Rockets have existed, um, what's changed? Like, what's changed about drag? Oh, my God. Uh, you you tell lot. us from the, from the youth <laughs> standpoint, Christy, what's your from youthful the youth standpoint? standpoint? Yes. Me speaking as a youth, when I like when I first started drag, don't you and I talk about this like all the time, you know? But when I first started drag, right, like I didn't, I never seen Drag Race. I didn't even like know it was around. It was probably like maybe season two or season three or something like that. Because um, we couldn't afford Logo TV. <laughs> yeah, I never had cable. <laughs> but. <clears throat> You know, the, the standards were were very different and a lot of things were a lot more localized, right? Because with kind of RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, there's a standard that's kind of been projected out into the world and it kind of keeps getting elevated. More money gets put into it, right? And, you know, all of the outfits cost like $1,000 now, you know. But when I think I first started, like our first shopping trip, we went to like Forever 21 and I got like a $20 crop top, like leather, faux, faux leather jacket. Um, and that was like, 
my fierce drag item. You know, <laughs> it was and like, it was the best look you were serving. It was. It was. It was my best look. It was the only look that I had. Was that twenty dollar jacket? I was also a student, and I had like no money. I still have no money, but um, slightly more more taste. But <clears throat> you know what you kind of were expected to wear, right? Was very different. Um, <clears throat> how you're expected? I think just generally to look was very different, right? Um, and so there was like one makeup tutorial that was on YouTube. I remember because Este, she's like the the kind of founder, right, of the house. Every every new girl who comes, you know, comes along, she meets up with them and she has like a intro to makeup kind of thing, right? Like a she has her little, she has like a, like a little cutout and she's like, this is how you do your eyelashes and this is where you do your crease and your eyebrows, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and she like does that and she does it with you. And then when I did, she's like, there's exactly one makeup tutorial on YouTube that you can use Manila Luzon's makeup tutorial. <laughs> and that was, and you know, it's like a, it's like a not even, it's like a 480p, you know, that was like the highest like <laughs> quality at that time, like her in like shitty lighting, like trying to explain how she's doing some of her makeup, you know, but that was really it. Right. Because like, I think, especially for us as like Asian dry queens, right. Like, especially around like the eye part, you, you can't just follow like all those like, kind of white girl makeup tutorials because it, it doesn't work it doesn't work girl, I try, you are so lucky. And your, yeah your eyelid covers up all the the thing you're <laughs> yeah when i started doing drag was, yeah. was teaching me uh makeup and we didn't have youtube youtube didn't even exist yet yeah. it was just me <laughs> in a bathroom with my mom's old makeup just putting yeah. on some lashes 12 minute face uh, a little that, bit of lip gloss, it. yeah. A little bit, mm-hmm. and I thought well, I was look so, so beautiful. There was a yeah, there was a moment when like the eyebrows changed on every rice roquette. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we all like little... discovered covering our eyebrows, yeah. and surprisingly, yeah. our um, the only one who is professionally trained in makeup, our mother Estee Longa, was the last to cover her eyebrows. It was amazing. She believed in a, a natural look. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's a, like a kind of a like especially for when you're kind of starting out like drag makeup like do you cover your eyebrows do you not cover your eyebrows that's kind of like a pivotal moment in like drag makeup i think really one of the defining aspects of yeah drag makeup we should is like covering i think your in, in like drag, like time frame, it's the uh before eyebrows and after eyebrows that's how everyone should be measured i think eyebrows are going to come back like not covering the eyebrows as like natural Mm-hmm. As like breaking yeah. breaking the mold of drag or drag innovation. I really like not having eyebrows at all. I think that's like the direction that I want to go. <laughs> it's going there. Doja Cat doesn't have any eyebrows anymore. Yeah, it saves and time. Julia Fox doesn't. It's all over TikTok. It's like a, a new look. Yeah, because it's like a, sometimes when someone doesn't have eyebrows, like depending on how you do your makeup, it's like it's it's harder to notice. Like there are certain things, like if you don't have eyelashes on, like immediately that's visually like it's very immediate that you notice that right oh this like this bitch doesn't have eyelashes on like basic you know but like sometimes when you don't have your when you you know don't have eyebrows some people notice it and some people just don't notice it yeah and and in in addition to your uh views on eyebrows we have a couple of questions here that um (laughs) we wanted to ask just to get to know you better and it's the first is something that we ask ourselves and our guests every time and it's What's the moment that made you first feel Gaijin? Gaijin. Gaijin. 
I grew up in the San Gabriel, San Gabriel Valley, where I actually currently am in the LA, kind of the greater LA area. My pivotal moment of having that recognition of a shared identity and shared experience um, was like Game Boy <laughs> at Rage <laughs> in West Hollywood. You know, because before that, uh, I didn't really kind of have a concept of that, like that kind of intersectional identity. And then also, you know, prior to that, you know, just kind of being someone who's mixed race, you know, questioning like, where do you kind of belong in that, right? And so kind of having that identity was something new to me when I was like kind of, what, 19, 20? How did you discover Game Boy? How did I discover? I think it was through just like some of my early college friends. And so like <clears throat> I had, oh my God, this is so stupid. I, had, I, I look back on this moment now and I laugh, but I had went under like the guise of like, oh, you know, I just like, I just like want to have fun and like I n- I've never really been out before and like I'm straight but like I'm very friendly and oh, like blah blah blah. You weren't in then, the, you weren't out you weren't yet. Ally. I, I, yeah, and then I oh my god, I went with um <laughs> it was it was actually my friend's friend. So I didn't even know him that well, him or his group of friends, and I just kind of like went and then we were there and we were dancing and some guy like came up to me and we like, he started dancing with me and then we just started making out. And that was, oh, that was the moment. She was a, yeah. a really huge ally. Yeah. There, yeah, I, yeah. I always support the community. Um, <laughs> yeah. There and, are photos actually and videos of that exact moment somewhere that someone has. Wow. So you decided to come out by going to a gay club and making out in front of your friends who thought you were straight. Yeah, I think I was just like, at that point, I was just like so horny. I was like, let's fucking do this. <laughs> maybe, wow. maybe they didn't even think you were straight. They were doing yeah. you a favor. I mean, they I don't know what they thought. They probably didn't. So, so what did you do right after? Because you're like, oh shit, I just made out with a guy. Um, yeah, I was like, well, that happened, I guess. And then we like, we didn't really talk about it that much, actually, like on the car ride home. It was kind of like, they kind of like, I think they like probably knew and they're like, well... Yeah, he was like really cute and blah blah blah. They just kind of like starting started talking about it from the acceptance and understanding point instead mm-hmm. of like you made out with a guy. You said you were straight, blah blah blah. And it was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, he was hot, wasn't he? <laughs> That's like the most amazing way to come out. Like it, it just it's beautiful. I love it. You know yeah. what? The next time in another lifetime where i get to come out i'm gonna be like i'm straight then like show up at the sex club and get in a sling (laughs) guess what i'm yep i'm gay i am big party hole 67 (laughs) speaking of speaking Speaking of of big party holes yeah yeah speaking of usernames and screen names um well let's first let's first start with your drag name Yes. Um, Christy Yummy Coochie. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you come up with that drag name? So <clears throat> for those who are, you know, uncultured, um Christy Yamaguchi is a world-class figure skater, a gold medalist figure skater, American champion, um, and also champion on Dancing with the Stars. So Japanese American figure skater, very famous. And she's from the, the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, oh, she, she, she lives in Oakland, where she has a mansion, and she always gets <laughs> reported for wasting water. 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been on the news like a few times now where like it's like Christy Yamaguchi, like fine by the water department or something. I don't like she has like an ice skating ring. I don't even know. She has like Get all these like pools <laughs> and fountains. Get it together, yeah. Christy. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in a drought. We're in a drought. You know, it's kind of based on her, right? And I think for a lot of people who are minorities like in in America, right? You kind of latch on to someone who's of your same kind of ethnic cultural identity. And mm-hmm. so when someone kind of of your same identity, of your same experience makes it to a level of like, you know, mainstream cultural fame, right? It like means a lot. And so it's the same thing. You know, there was... Um, <clears throat> you know, a baseball player on the Dodgers at the time. I don't know when it was. And his name was Nomo, right? And so these kind of like Japanese American figures, your family notices them and kind of you know, the community wants to uplift them and support them. Um, and so my drag name, right? Christy Yummy Coochie. Yummy as in delicious coochie. Also as in delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, you know, a play off, <laughs> off that. Um, and, and kind of two things about actually my drag name. So <clears throat> the, I, I originally didn't, I was kind of hesitant to go with it, right? Because, you know, if you are like a non-white drag queen, I feel like maybe less so now, but there's almost this, there was almost this expectation you're going to have some kind of like play on your ethnicity or some kind of like ethnic kind of name, Right. And part of me like really wanted to avoid that. Right. Like I didn't want to feel like I was being pigeonholed in that way. Um, I think the first drag name that I was originally going to go with was like Cherry Possum. It's kind Ugh. of like weird. Yeah. I, was, I don't know. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Chris groans. Yeah. The drag mother groans. <laughs> Val, um, Val, tell us yeah. your drag name. Oh, yeah. Tell us your drag name, Val. Sorry, burping. Um, that, that should be my drag name, Burp. Burping. <laughs> Just a burp. A single word. Please welcome to the stage. Uh. No, my drag name is Hanoi, Montana. Speaking of names that we don't necessarily want to yeah. attach to our ethnic background. Yeah. <laughs> I went all in. Yeah, went you know, but, but it's a choice, right? As long as you don't feel pigeonholed into that that choice, right? I think is is the important aspect. Who's Who's to say how important your identity is to you? Um, yeah, but that name came up and it was just so fucking funny. We were like dying. We were laughing so hard. And I thought it was like, I also thought it was like a really easy, like, you know, an obvious kind of like play on name and like something that people would like laugh at when they pronounce, but there's actually a lot of people who can't pronounce it and don't know how to say it. And they don't realize that it's like yummy as in delicious and like coochie, you know, also is in delicious and so there's there's yeah there's there's actually a bit of fun that i get to have when i engage with people when they don't realize it because then i get to spell it out like that um except when i met family names or family family events and then i just go by miss christy speaking of potentially awkward moments at your family events your instagram handle it's very special every time i tag you in a story a treasure. People also say, is that is that really the Instagram handle? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. why don't you tell everybody what your Instagram handle is and <laughs> how you came up yes. with it? <laughs> yes, my my Instagram handle, um, if you are cultured, is little miss cum dump. Um, and also, so also delicious. 
Yeah. Also delicious. <laughs> also <laughs> delicious. Yeah. You know, but it's little. Delicious, delicious, little. delicious. L I T T L E, Miss M I S S, very proper. Come, you know, C U M. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't use any kind of play on words. I didn't spell it. I just wanted to live the authentic fantasy, Little Miss Come. In the down. moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that is my uh, Instagram name for for better and worse <laughs> um and worse <laughs> yeah you know some you know there because there there are a lot of times like i think especially at community events when people like want to exchange some kind of like oh let's like keep in touch and you know people use facebook less often now and so like instagram oh god and this is this is where it's so awkward for hookups but instagram now is kind of like becoming the default contact exchange so like even i feel like it's a way where people will get your instagram because they don't want to give you their phone number yet and they also want to like verify your lifestyle and look at that oh. and so in those moments it's very awkward because it's like well if i give some of my instagram we're like definitely not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna hook up (laughs) are they definitely just gonna assume you're a bottom yeah i I don't i think well i don't know is that what people well i mean the name yeah the name is the name is is. you're gonna start sharing your instagram for your uh for your job uh yeah for your interviews it's gonna be great yeah yeah what's the what's the most um what's the most awkward moment with your instagram handle that you've ever had yeah, there have been times when it was definitely, like, very humorous for other people. And so, like, there have been, like, if I'm on, like, a panel or something, like, I, <laughs> I was, I was like, this was, like, a few years ago, actually, I was on a panel for, like, World AIDS Day or something like that, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it was World AIDS Day. And so I'm there with, like, all these, like, fucking, like, veteran, like, AIDS activists and, you know, we're, like, talking, like, oh, and, and how can we, like keep in contact with you and follow up on your activism and the work that you're doing. I was like, well, um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at little miss cum dump. And then I always spell it out. So I spelled it before I spelled, <laughs> I spelled it out. How did the room react? I think, you know, it was, it was like a gay audience. And so people found it like very humorous. <clears throat> and I think sometimes like there's also a level of like, if I if I say it quickly, it kind of like goes over people's heads and they're shocked and they like don't know what to say and they kind of just like very quickly try and move past it. But sometimes I don't I don't let them move past it. Oh, there was okay, I did this um I did this interview for like German television or something. Like we ran into me and my roommate oh. ran into some reporters um and we were like talking with them. And she was like, Oh, you know, let me get your information, let me get your thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Okay, honey, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> and I spelled it out yeah. for her. And she was like, she was like, oh, oh my. And she had like a German accent. <laughs> yeah. And then she like posted the stuff later and I saw she didn't tag me. And so I like commented on her thing and I was like, I noticed you didn't tag me. I just want to remind you my handle is Little Miss Cumdump and I write it in all caps. <laughs> and you know, you're doing these interviews because you're also a queer historian. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You've, you've been on the board of the San Francisco GLBT Historical Society. Yeah. You've written the actual resolution for the County of San Francisco declaring the last week of May as Queer Asian Pacific Islander Week. Woo! Yes. That was recent, right? 
a full a full week a full week yeah. for Asians. Queer Asians. Yeah, just one week though. And (laughs) you give queer Asian walking tours in San Francisco. You did one for the League of Legends um, uh, tournament uh, like last month. So give us a lowdown on a little bit about like what you talk about. Like what are some of your favorite moments or queer people in queer Asian history that you like to talk about? Doing it in San Francisco, I think, is a very special place to do it in America. I think San Francisco has a very kind of special and important role in the kind of realm of queer history in America. You know, you go back in early San Francisco history and what brought people to the city was was labor, right? And so when you think about laborers, especially when you think about like during gold rush era times, right, it's all men. Um, And so what ended up happening is San Francisco, you know, at that time was very man, very manly, lots of men, many men Mm -hmm. all around. Sounds Um, hot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And kind of going back in that early history, interesting fact, drag was actually a very mainstream form of entertainment. Um, And it was kind of done. I think, you know, we can look back on history and we can say, okay, maybe this person was maybe queer, blah, 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 you know, but there were probably also very um, cishet people who were, you know, cisgender, heterosexual people doing drag. It was like socially accepted and it was just like the popular form of entertainment because there were no women around. And so San Francisco has like a unique place in kind of the history, the queer history. Um, and when I talk about, and that that's also true when you think about kind of like Asian immigration um, and Asian American history, right? San Francisco has a lot of, of really important and pivotal moments that's related to that. You know, as a result of these two kind of movements happening in the same place, you have a lot of connection between these movements and you have a lot of intersectionality of identities, um, you know, and things that happen. One aspect when I talk about history or when I do like, you know, I do like equity training, I talk about how, you know, when we think about the the, the systemic kind of persecution of queer people of like LGBTQ identities, like historically, it, it's relatively recent, right? And and what does that mean? So, so that means, <clears throat> you know, now, um, and even in these last like, you know, what, few decades, the idea that you have, you know, all these different institutions, religion, you have like criminal justice, you have government, you have all the legal framework that we have in here in America, all of these different institutions and all of these different kind of places that had rules or different kinds of laws or things that criminalize queer identities, like the level that mm-hmm. it's happening on, that systemic level because of all of these things happening together is, is relatively recent historically. You know, you can look back in all different places around the world throughout history, and you can see that queer people have been celebrated. They have been seen as, like, holy. They have been seen as, like, you know, advisors, spiritual leaders, right? Mm -hmm. You have in a lot of, like, Pacific Islander cultures, you have multiple genders, right, that are recognized. Maybe there's, like, a third gender. Um, And you have, you know, people who were maybe like non-binary, we might call them non-binary today, who knows, you know, how they would identify, you know, they were seen as like spiritual healers and like leaders and stuff, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's like a very important aspect of history for people to remember, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that history is not something that's known, right? It's like very hidden. 
right? And the fact that that is hidden is very connected to colonialism. It's very connected to white supremacy. Colonialism, capitalism, <laughs> white supremacy. It is. You know, but, but, but there's repeating the, the Western, um, you know, categorization, the Western creation of, of race is very also tied to gender, right? And so when you look at early kind of categorizations, when, you know, European scientists were trying to figure out, well, how do we define race? Are they different species? Are they subspecies? Like what, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was also very connected to gender, right? And so, you know, early, the early scientists, as they were categorizing, right, like, the white race had like men and women, but other kind of races that they ended up classifying, they were just all people. And kind of what, as you know, Darwinism became more popular, as kind of the idea of evolution became more popular, you had this kind of assumption that, okay, well, we here, like in the Western world, women wear dresses and they stay at home and take care of children. And the gender roles between men and women are very, very different. That kind of how that ended up happening in Europe became projected onto kind of other cultures, other places through colonialism. And they said, well, if you don't have this, if you don't have these very differentiated gender roles and women doing this and men doing this, then you're savage and you're primitive, right? Like, oh, your men, you know, are wearing skirts. Like that's something women wear and therefore you men shouldn't be allowed to wear them, right? And that's why in some places like the cultural garbs that people wore were banned because it was seen as being like you're oh you're just dressing up like a woman and so through colonialism through racism through all of this right we had these these ideals of gender these ideals of sexuality that got spread throughout the world and in many places you know you can look at the literal legal penal code and you can still see the legacy of colonialism it was only a few years ago that you look at Singapore. Like, what was that? Like a few months ago? It was just they a few months ago. Like in Singapore, kind of like over overturned it, rewrote it, right? But there are still some countries in Southeast Asia that mm-hmm. have it. You know, I think what India did something similar. Was it like two, 2013 or something? Yeah, that was 2018. 2018? 2018? Yeah, I mean, I think so. even, yeah. <laughs> even less. It's British you know, law. But- <laughs> It's old British. But law. I think the, the the point that I'm I'm kind of like trying to make here and come come through here, right, is that we can look um, we can look at history. We can see reflections of ourselves. We know that people who have these kinds of you know queer identities have you know always existed, right? There are depictions going back thousands, and as long as there are depictions of humans, there are depictions of like queer people. You know, there's like literally hieroglyphs of these like two like you know palace guards who are like boning or something and we were buried together when you, we look back on history we look back on it with our current perspective mm-hmm. and our current lens and so yeah. archaeologists like in the sixth what the 60s i don't know when the hell that was they're like oh they were like really good friends they were like roommate they were the egyptian mm-hmm. equivalent of like roommates yeah. blah, blah, roommates blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, must be but, really fun at parties christy <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm really fun actually at um at happy hours. After I get like one or two drinks in me, then I just like start complaining about rich people going on like <laughs> tirades against all the, the tech mm-hmm. employees. Yeah. That's I'm with I'm you on that. Time. Yeah. Cheers to that. All right, for our last question for you. And for this question, I have to give credit to our friend Ryan Alarde, 
who came Thank you, Ryan. this question. Thank you, Ryan, who asked us this question a couple couple weeks ago. So the question is, you get to recast a queer classic. And the queer classic is to Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, uh, as a modern remake. Who would you cast and why? And for those who haven't seen the movie, it's a cult classic from the 90s where three cishet actors played New York City drag queens who drive all the way across America, stop in many stops along the way to compete in a pageant in L.A. These hyper-masculine actors, Patrick Swayze, played a drag queen named Vita Bohem. Wesley Snipes, this is my favorite one. <laughs> Wesley Snipes played a drag queen named Noxima Jackson. Like, how 90s is that, Noxima? Is Noxima, is it even still around, Noxima? I don't know. I don't see it anymore in my CVS. And then John Leguizamo plays Chichi Rodriguez. Chichi is, such a, <laughs> Chichi is such a popular drag name. We love it. Um, and yes, so how would you, you know, recast this? Thank you for this question. I'll in pageant style. That's my aunt. Thank you. Thank you for this question. Can we repeat the question? <laughs> um, oh my God. That's what all the pageant queens do to stall. Is like when, when they get questions, they'll be like, mm-hmm. thank you for this question. Then they'll address the audience. Audience, I love that you're all here. Can you repeat the question? It's very don't I have I have a follow-up question, um, which is can you repeat the question? <laughs> um, so I think something that was so great about that movie when it came out was how subversive it was, right? And so kind of as you were saying, Bao, it took these like these like actors who were at their kind of peak in masculinity, peak in like action movies, you know, and it took them and it put them in these feminine roles. And it kind of had this like, what role reversal? I don't know. And so that is something I that's a spirit that I would want to carry over to this next queer adaptation of the film. Mm, I think I think, okay. <laughs> I wow, think you know, I think okay. that's really what made it so subversive. And you know, I think even now we yeah. still have all of these um <laughs> we still have all of these kind of masculinity issues and issues with sexism, right? And I think that's still very pervasive in, in, in the gay community, right? Like I think all these gay men are like, okay, well, we're fucking other dudes, so like we can't hate women or like femininity, but you know, gay men are also very sexist. Um, and at the yep. same time, if this were to be, if the same version of it were to play now modernly, I feel like they would get canceled. Oh, straight actors <laughs> playing yeah. queer uh, people. So no, then, but I think, but but what what you bring up, Nick, is very interesting yeah. because. In, even in the gay community, there's like a, the mask culture. Mm-hmm. When Ryan asked us this question, we're like, "Oh, maybe we would cast it with like which queer actor?" <laughs> but you bring you bring up this other viewpoint, which is true. Yeah. Like, what made it very, very notable was the fact that they chose these like action stars at the time, straight guys that were hyper masculine, yeah. and put these put them in these roles. Um, and yeah, that, so, so then in that vein, how who would you recast? You know, because they they um, were also the characters who had the shielding. Right. They had this kind of like already very ultimate masculine persona. It's like, okay, well, you know, they have their their like masculine cred, right? So, you know, what's anyone else gonna say about them? <laughs> they got uh-huh. nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I think also when you reach that point where you're seen as being, you know, very masculine and you become very kind of comfortable in how your gender is and how you express yourself, 
you know, you, you just like start not caring anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you're already there. You're already like, okay, I'm the top of the ladder. Like what else, what else is there? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think one thing to note, none of them were Asian actors. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think in this reboot, I would try and kind of continue this spirit of kind of taking these masculine icons and kind of having them explore gender. Um, and so I would use, let's see, I would use The Rock for sure. The Rock. Oh my God. I think that would be, <laughs> that is... you, you, like, so The hot. Rock would do so well in that role too. I follow this one Instagram account, which all they do is like Photoshop's. And The Rock is like one of the per- like one of the people who they always Photoshop. And mm-hmm. I, I've already seen it, but The Rock looks sickening in like a nice high stiletto <laughs> and a little like jean short. It's already going to be good. And so The Rock... Celebrity the- drag race, watch out. <laughs> I think The Rock is 6'5". I- I've looked oh this God. up before. Like Jason Momoa is also 6'5". So to see six him in... 6'5"? Wow. 6'5". Like six- they're more than the six three, which is like tall, but like the mega tall. Wow. Yeah, six four to six. They're all as five. tall as Kim Chi. Oh my god, I love that. She's six five. And then they're gonna wear. Jimmy's not six five. Is she six three? She tall. But imagine like the stilettos on the rock. Oh That's god. amazing. He'd crush the heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who, who next uh, after the rock? The rock. I would also say um, Daniel Day Kim. And I think mm, I think that would be jaw. you know a good a good role too because I mean well I mean a you don't really see you don't really see him in a lot of things right like I feel like within the Asian American community like at this point he's built mm-hmm. up like a very big reputation and but also in kind of the representations or depictions you see of him it's kind of very like like the the kind of stoic quiet kind of like masculine type. And I would love to see him break out of that role and kind of be something different. You know, I think of how like how Michelle O when she when she did um, you know everything everywhere all at once. She talks about how uh. she had been pigeonholed into all of these roles and she never had the opportunity to show you know her mm-hmm. skills and prowess as an actress. And that um, that film gave her that opportunity to kind of like not be pigeonholed by kind of her race or where she came from. You know, and I would love to grant that same opportunity to Daniel Day Kim and put him in booty shorts and a thong. <laughs> I want to see how that jaw looks in makeup. And I'm here for it. That's that's like the Patrick Swayze yeah. jawline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that would be a fun. I would be really interested in seeing, you know, how he would kind of like play with that role or like I, I like it's. I can't even envision what him playing like a drag queen would would be like. It's it's hard to envision. Um, let's see. I think another character I would love. I would love to see. I feel like I'm bringing in like a lot of wrestlers, <laughs> but either no, that's their. They're people who have uh, who've established their people too. credibility, <laughs> careers, their brands as hyper masculine yeah. people. That that's why this your choices have been so amazing. So, <laughs> I what is what is the last one? It be, it better be good. I, I know it's going to be good. I think either like it would either do The Rock or or Bautista. And so if you know, the the guy in Guardians of the Galaxy who plays like the big kind of like oh person, yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely. I feel like both of them would would be really fun in the role, you know, because they would commit to it. Like I saw what's that like superhero series like John Cena is in? 
it feels it feels a little weird yeah. to watch but it was kind of like watching i was like oh he's like kind of interesting like he's he's a pretty intelligent person uh and he's like mm-hmm. he's pretty funny too and so i feel like you know he would like really commit to it and it would i think it would, it would be good those are amazing answers. I totally didn't expect you to go there. I was going somewhere else. I would watch else. that movie. Mm-hmm. I think um, I would put Jason Momoa as like an understudy. <laughs> but we're running out of time. Yes. And mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up. It's okay. I've seen my daughter enough. <laughs> she's, 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 she's how my mother would treat me. Ignore me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up. And I want to thank my wonderful daughter. Huge regrets to my drag daughter, Nick Large, a.k.a. Christy Yamikuchi, mm-hmm. for joining mm-hmm. us uh, as our guest. Uh, I, it's, I'm so happy that you are here with us. Thank you. Thank you for that question. And um, we've talked about this before, but where can people follow you on the socials? Yes, on the socials, I am available. It is at Little Miss Cumdump. So little, fully spelled out, <laughs> L-I-T-T-L-E, miss, also spelled out, M-I-S-S, come, C-U-M, dump, D-U-M. As in delicious. As in delicious, as in also delicious. And that is like the only social media I handle I have. <laughs> you can find me on all platforms, including X2, Little Miss Come Dump. <laughs> And you can follow the podcast at Literally Gaysians on Instagram and me at Bow Bow Bowser with a Z on Instagram. Where can they follow you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at meetmesouthofmarket.gif. That's M E A T, South of Market. And before we leave, uh, we'd love for all of our listeners mm-hmm. to send in questions. Do you need advice on something? Not sure how to deal with your parents? How to respond to that awkward invite to the three-way? Uh, if you have, if you want an answer, DM us at literally Gaysians on Instagram. Ooh, slide into the DMs. Slide into the DMs. No loop necessary. Just raw dog it. Ooh. And with that, that's our that's our show. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Bye bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.